Isn't the Lord good? All the time the Lord is good. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5. That is not the gospel of John. You, you've not gone far enough. Keep right on going almost to Revelation. 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5. I, John, whatever you want to call it. 1 John, I, John, it don't matter. Amen. 1 John chapter number 5. Uh, how many of y'all seen that big old pile of wood out there in the parking lot? <clears throat> how many of y'all know we need to call the fire department here in a minute? <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm kind of jealous about that thing because I, I really want to know when they're going to light that thing off because I want to see it, amen? But they said, no, preacher, you're going to be in Bible study. Uh, this is what they said. All you have to do is cut Bible study short. <laughs> they know that ain't happening. Say amen. All right, all right. First John chapter uh, number 5. Let's start in verse number 11. Verse number 11. Are you there? Say Amen. Let me put my eyes on. All right, here we go. And this is the record that God hath given to us what? Eternal life. How many of y'all are thankful of that? And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's pretty simple, wouldn't you say? It says, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, that ye may know. That's clear-cut English language. That ye may know. Don't ever let somebody tell you you cannot know whether you're saved or not. Don't ever let somebody say that to you. This is clear English. Watch what it says. That ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know, if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now let me go back to verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Does the Bible not say God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. How many of y'all believe salvation is the will of God? Isn't that great? Let's pray. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll do our little brief review, and then we'll go forward with our lesson tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity it is to, sh to just stand in front of all these people and be able to study and learn and grow and, and, and develop our Christian life. I pray that you'll give me the words to say. Give me the unction to say it. I need the power of the Holy Spirit right now. I know the devil wants us to live in doubt. The devil wants us to live in uncertainty. And God, I pray right now for strength. I pray right now for wisdom. I pray for direction. I pray your perfect will be done. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to be dealing with the subject, Assurance of Salvation. Assurance of salvation, very, very important topic, very important topic. Uh, but before we do, let's do a, a little review, okay? Uh, let's review our verses that we're memorizing. <clears throat> Boy, y'all getting quiet. Uh, let's review the verses we are memorizing, right? Okay, all right, all right. Romans 3, 20, and by the way, 
By the way, they will be on this card right here. You're going you're gonna to have a card when you leave. Uh, some of you may already have these already, but we'll have some people at the doors. Uh, uh, make sure, we, Brother Jeff, we got the people. I don't know. You probably already got them, but make sure we have the people at the doors. Uh, I want you to have this card. It can be in your back pocket. It can be in your shirt pocket. While you're working through the day, you can take it out and read it. Put it back. Take it out and read it. Put it back. You read it over and over and over again, and you don't even have to make an effort to memorize it. You'll already memorize it. Say amen. amen. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody say it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say it again. Now, let me, let me give you a little, a little good advice, a little good advice that I wish somebody would have gave me when I first started memorizing verses, okay? When you memorize a verse, always memorize the address. Always memorize the address. How many times do you hear me say, the Bible says, and bam, I'll quote the verse. Well, the reason that sometimes I don't give you where it says it is because them people that told me to memorize the address forgot it when I memorized it when I was in the third grade. Say amen. So always memorize the address so that you can take them and say, hey, in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, why do we need to know that? Everybody needs to get lost before they can get saved. Everybody needs to know they're a sinner. Everybody needs to know why they need to be saved. That's a, that's a big deal. Most people say, save, save from what? What do I need to be saved from? They need to understand they're a sinner, right? So you quote God's word, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Then we'll quote, we'll quote Romans 6.23, right? Okay, right? All right. For, uh, 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 help me, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Are y'all with me? Say again, for the, all right, all right, let's try it again, for the, oh, 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 ho, 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 what did we forget? There we go, we forgot the address, all right, you ready? Romans 6, 23, for Romans 5, 8. Say it with me. Romans 5, 8. Say it again. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, why do they need to know that? They need to know, number one, that they are a sinner. They need to know, number two, that sin must be paid for. The wages of sin is but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. They need to understand that Jesus Christ himself died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. He didn't just die for us. He died instead of us. He took our place. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me make sure I'm going by the... I better put my eyes back on. Amen. All right. Here we go. Now, Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe with thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be Y'all kind of quiet on that one. That's one of the most important ones. You've got to memorize that. Amen? Now, whosoever, say it with me, shall call upon 
the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right. Now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all will make a promise to your preacher that you're going to work on these verses? Come on. All right. At least lie to me, people. I'm going to work on these. I'm going to work on these. Here's what's going to happen. One day, your grandchild is going to come up to you and say, how do I get to heaven? And I'm going to be in a meeting. So you need to know. Amen. You need to know these. Even if you have a cheating card, keep the cheating card. That's fine. As long as, uh, you know, you say, preacher, I'm not good at memory. At least know where to find it. Amen? All right. All right. Now let's jump into our subject tonight. Assurance of salvation. How many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all have ever flown before? You ever flown before? How many of y'all have ever flown on a crowded flight? How many of y'all have ever had to wait for a uh, 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 I don't even remember what. You, how, how do you call, what do you call that when when you stand by, stand by. Now, what does that mean? If there is an opening, you get on. If there's not, you don't. Now, watch this. Here's the, here's the deal. This is why this particular topic tonight is so important. If you are in the airport, I've, I've been in several uh, several times, and I've been on both sides of the deal. I've been on the deal. I've been on the deal where I have my ticket. It is, it is guaranteed I have a seat. I have a, a, a number on that plane. There's no question about it. I got a ride. Amen? And then I've been on the other side where I'm hoping they're going to have room. I'm hoping they're going to have space. I'm hoping uh, 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 that Cletus lost his luggage and couldn't find the planes. Amen? So I could hopefully get one. Now, if you're going and you're sitting right there at the at the... Where, where you get on the plane, you're sitting right there and, and looking. You can tell the people that have a guaranteed seat, and you can tell the people who are on standby hoping to get a seat. The people who are guaranteed a seat, they're reading the paper. People who are guaranteed a seat are taking a nap. People who are guaranteed a seat, they're drinking a cup of coffee. But people who are on standby who are hoping, they're hoping to get a ride. They're pacing back and forth. They're nervous as can be. They're worried to death, hoping and praying, hoping and praying. You see, that's the shape a lot of people are in today. There are people that are wringing their hands, hoping to make it to heaven, hoping to, to be good enough. Or, not just that, sometimes people have sat under false doctrine and false teaching who's told people, listen, you got to get saved, but if you're bad... You're going to lose it. That's always amazed me. That's always amazed me. If you can't be good enough to earn it, how are you going to be bad enough to lose it? If it is the gift of God, if it's for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Are you all with me? And here's the thing. You need this. You need to know that you know. You need to know that you're saved. The Bible says to make your calling and election sure. You need to know you're saved. Listen, not just for the sake of going to heaven, but for your own sanity. So you can lay your head on your pillow at night and know everything's going to be all right. So you can be able to take what you have and the knowledge you have and give to someone else and help them to know that they're saved. 
One of the greatest things you can do is encourage somebody and help them be assured that they're going to heaven. And all God's people say it. Now, here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to look at some basis for our assurance first. First few things we're going to look at is the basis for our assurance. Why am I assured? Why can I stand up here with confidence and assurance and know if this building was to fall down upon all of us, I know where I'd be when I open my eyes. Now, why, why do I have that? Why do I have that confidence? Why do I have that assurance? What am I basing that on? Uh, what am I basing my salvation on and, and evidence that's there, okay? And then, then I added this. It's really not in the lesson in the in the uh, uh, the training we're taking right now, but I added it anyway uh, uh, because I'm preaching. I can do that. Say amen. I I added some things that cause people to doubt. I'm talking about good people. I'm talking about saved people. I'm talking about people that know God and they they're in the in the church, but but sometimes the devil will creep in and he will cause doubt in their mind. And I want to address that and talk about that a little bit. So if you're going to pray for me tonight. Uh, say amen right there. Let's look at this. The basis for our assurance. Uh, first thing I want you to write down, our assurance is based on the words of the Scripture. Our assurance is based on the words of the Scripture. What does that mean? It basically means this. We are just going to take God at His word. Y'all with me? We are going to take God at His word. In other words, we're just going to believe what the Bible says. And so why stand? Why do I stand in confidence that, that I have assurance of salvation? Because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so. I'm standing in the authority of God's word, right? Now let's look at some of these verses. Let's look at some of these verses. It says here, it says in many other signs, in, in John chapter 20, it's, all you got to do is look in your notes, it's right there. John chapter 20, verse 30. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not but have everlasting life. John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. I give unto them what? I give unto them, and they shall, oh, say it again, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which you gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Boy, I, I just want to say amen right there. Just stop a minute and shout the victory and glory. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Listen, John 5, 24. John 5, 24. This is not in your notes. Just follow along. Uh, and you can you just write the address down in, in your notes, and, and, and then you can go look at it later. John 5, 24. Verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. All right? Then we see 1 John, 1 John 1, 1 John 1 in verse number 8. It says this. It says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, 
and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What does that mean? There are some people who believe and teach in sinless perfection. In other words, they say that when a person truly gets saved, they never sin again. They never sin again. Now, that's crazy. That's almost insane for me to even think somebody could think that. But then there are some people that believe that you get saved. You're not, you, you don't have sinless perfection. It doesn't mean you'll never sin again. Uh, uh, but if you sin too much, you don't have it anymore. Okay, what chapter gives us what level we're allowed to sin up to? I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna say stuff like this, we need to back it up with okay, uh, how much sin can I get in? I mean, can I lie a little bit? Can we can we you know cheat on our tax a little bit? Oh no, uh, no! If you murder somebody, or if you if you commit homosexuality, or if you you rape somebody, or if you See, this, that, that doesn't even make sense. It don't make sense. When God saves you, he saves you. It's a work of God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now listen, look what it says. He made a provision for us when we do make mistakes, when we do sin. He says if we do sin, we can come to him. Aren't you glad God is faithful? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what I tell people. God, God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that to keep us saved or to save us again. God does that so we can have fellowship with him. Are y'all with me? So we can stay in fellowship with him. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk in the light and we walk in darkness, or we say we walk with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So we have an opportunity to come to him for forgiveness, for cleansing, so that we can walk with him and fellowship with him. And all God's people say it. Look what it says, Romans 8, 33. This is a great one. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Uh, who, now, if you study that word justifies, it means just if I had never sinned. That's how God the Father looks at us. Justified, we, I'd never, ever sinned. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am, oh, I love that word. For I am, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen goes right there. What are, why are you assured, preacher? Why are you confident that you're going to heaven? Because the Bible says so. The Bible says I can know. The Bible says I am assured. The Bible says that I can be uh, confident in the fact 
of what Jesus did for me, and that brings us to uh, B, or the second point here. Not only am I assured, the basis of my assurance is because of the words of the Scripture, but because it's based on the work of the Savior. The work of the Savior. Not the work of the sinner. Not the work of the saint. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. Amen? Not of yourself. It's not of yourself. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all the grace of God. Who worked for our salvation? Jesus. My salvation is based on, and, and keep this terminology, understand and keep this terminology. I am assured of my salvation based on the finished work of the cross. Say that with me. The finished work of of the cross. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is Come on everybody. It is finished. It's done. What's done? The work of salvation. The work he was called to do. The work that the Father sent him to do. He said, I always do the things that please my Father. When he came, when he came in the very beginning, in the very early stages of his life, you remember when he was a young man, his, his, his parents lost him. And he's there in the temple. And they find him in the temple. And he's confounding the wise. And he's asking them questions. And they're asking him questions. They're blown away at who he is. Uh, they were being asked by the words. Amen. And, and, and they said, what are you doing? You scared us to death. And this is what Jesus said. Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? He says, what are you looking for me for? If you study that phrase out, he's saying, I got to get an early start. I've got a job to do. I came for a purpose. I came for a work. And that work was Calvary. It was the finish. Say amen. I'm not basing my assurance on my good deeds. I'm not basing my assurance on how many times I attend church. I'm not basing my assurance on how much of that Bible I know. I'm not basing my assurance on whether I can be good enough or not. Whether I can, there, there's no balance up in heaven that balances your good deeds and your bad deeds or your sins or your goodness. And there, There's none of that. It's all based on the cross of Calvary. It's all based on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. I'm confident because when Jesus died, he said it is finished. I read an article, and I, I thought it was good, so I'm going to read it tonight. Uh, you'll like this. I did. What Jesus did through his perfect earthly existence, sacrificial death, and glorious resurrection fully completed the work of the Father that he had given him to do. Not only did he complete his work of salvation, but his accomplishment is fully effective today and will be forevermore. There is nothing more to add, nothing more to be done by God, man, or religious institution. The undeniable, factual, historical, and eternal work of Jesus Christ has been completed, is complete, and will forever remain completed. It is, it is finished. Jesus finished the work given to him by his Father, which culminated at the cross, at the cross, the gavel of the supreme judge of the universe crashed 
upon his mighty bench when God the Father, pleased to crush his son, poured the full cup of his wrath against sin upon his innocent son. It is at the cross the great exchange took place. The eternal debt owed for the sin of mankind was paid in full. God the Father looked upon his, oh hallelujah, he looked upon his perfect, precious, and priceless son as if he had lived the filthy, detestable, sin-stained lives of fallen mankind. And for those who repent and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God the Father looks upon them as if they had lived his son's perfect, precious, and priceless life. It is at the cross. God kept his promise to crush Satan's head through the bruising of his son. The power of sin and death was vanquished once and for all. It is Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross forever made man's work to appease God, to please God. Listen, to be reconciled to God, impotent and blasphemous. What does that mean? We can't do anything to do this. It's already been done. The sin debt I owe to God was and is paid in full. My Lord and my Savior, my Master and King, Jesus Christ, when he shed his innocent blood on the cross on my behalf, he said it well when he said, It is. Say amen. Amen. I am standing here in confidence. I am standing here in assurance. Not because of anything I've ever done. Not because anything I know as far as my knowledge but simply because there was a day in history that Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Lamb of God, the perfect sinless Lamb of God, was crucified on an old rugged cross, and He shed His life's blood, and He took that blood to the mercy seat in heaven, and God the Father said, Satisfied, satisfied. Say amen. I'm sorry, but this is good. Aren't you glad we can be sure? I'm not going to be pacing up and down the aisle. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep hoping I get in. I'm assured because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Say amen. Here's another good one. Here's another one. My assurance is based on the words of Scripture. My assurance is based on the work of the Savior. My assurance is based on the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit. Romans 8, 14. For as many, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now here's the deal, here's the deal. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the... Amen. Now watch this, 2 Corinthians 1, 21. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath... Who hath also... Now watch this, watch this. And given the earnest of the Spirit in our... Hearts. Now, what does that mean? Now, y'all remember I told you a story a long time ago when I, the first time we, we bought a house. I grew up a preacher's kid, so I was in a parsonage my whole life. And ne- we never owned anything. And, and, and so when we moved here, we was going to buy a house. And, and, and so I was talking to the realtor, and, and, and we found a little house we, we liked and, and we, we could probably afford. And, 
And so I told her, I said, we're, we're, I, let me give you an offer on that house. She said, okay, but you need to give me $500 earnest money. <laughs> Number one, I'm going to have to find $500, amen? I said, what? I, was, I didn't know what that was, I, earnest money. So what do you mean, earnest money? She said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Let me explain to you. So whenever somebody gives an offer, they give earnest money, and that earnest money is telling the seller that the buyer is serious about his offer. When you got saved, y'all ain't getting it yet because y'all would be shouting already. When you got saved, God the Father sent the Holy Spirit as a down payment into your heart to tell you he's serious about his offer. You know how I know I'm saved? The Holy Spirit's in me. You know how I know I'm saved? When I do something ignorant, the Holy Spirit says, Hey! Or when I'm fixing to do something ignorant, the Holy Spirit says, I wouldn't do that, preacher. Right? In traffic? I... I'm just in my head, I'm wondering if I'll still stay anointed if I tell what happened to me in Paducah. I'm just. Because I really need the anointing for the rest of this lesson, amen. Right before, right before I got to the exit, uh, and, and, and the, the pastor had already called me and said, hey, I got, I got reservations for us to eat at such and such a time. I'm like, I, I mean, I, I'm an hour from, I'm, I'm, I'm I think, 16 miles. I was 16 miles from the exit. There was an hour left before the reservation, so plenty of time because I was rolling. Amen. Come over the hill, dead stop. And so now it's a Pepsi truck had caught fire on the interstate. I'm telling you, burnt down. I mean, I mean, several Diet Mountain Dews went to glory right on the interstate right there. <laughs> That in itself was a tragedy right there. And man, here we go. I'm talking about 45 minutes. 45 minutes. I mean, and just, he's calling, they're trying to, and I don't know about y'all, I don't do good in them kind of situations. And then, people started going into the, yeah, and going, in my head, I thought, the next one I see coming, bless God, I'm going to move over there, and they're going in the ditch, buddy. Skip everybody. What's wrong with you? And then the Holy Spirit <laughs> said, I don't think that will be a good idea, Reverend. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Here's, here's the thing, too, that'll happen. 
I'll watch my time. Here's the thing that will happen too. You'll find out this, that when you start really getting serious with God, when you start really getting close to God, the closer you get to Him, the more stuff will bother you. And what I mean by that, those movies that you used to watch, that you, you know, you've heard cussing all your life and it don't bother you. Hey, it's just a cuss. Boy, the closer you get to God, some, some, it'll say, and it, you'll go, ooh. Or certain behavior will just, that's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is just what it says, holy. And the more, listen, the more rain he has in your life, the more you're going to be just like him. Are y'all with me? And the Holy Spirit is a great indicator, a great indicator of salvation. Listen, it's, it's a little, I'll say this. Me and my father, y'all have heard me tell the stories of, of, of my dad's raising and his salvation and all that. And, and my raising and, and salvation and all that. But it, it, I, I will say this. People that grow up in church have a more difficult time with doubt than, than, than hoodlums do. And when I say hoodlums, I mean the utmost respect. I'm talking about my father. So just understand what I mean by that. Somebody that's been lost their whole life, just a bad person. They know they're a bad person. Everything, and when they get saved, man, it's from darkness to light. And All right, and, and, and let me explain myself with that. When he got saved, everything was different. I mean, it was just, it was just unbelievable, you know. Well, when I got saved, I knew the same verses before I got saved as after I got saved. And I believed the same stuff before I got saved as after I got saved. And y'all not going to believe this, but I loved God before I got saved. I didn't know God on a personal basis, but I knew all about God, and I knew enough about him that I kind of liked him. And so there wasn't this drastic, there wasn't this drastic. So I've struggled with doubt some in my life. My dad never has. Never one single time has he ever doubted, because it was such a, are y'all with me? It's almost kind of like the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul was knocked off his donkey and blinded, you're going to remember that. <laughs> Amen? Here's, I, I'm a, I know I'm going to shock you with this one. I know y'all going to think I'm the Antichrist and everything. <laughs> How many of y'all watched The Passion of the Christ? Do you know I didn't shed one tear? I went. We had a big crowd of people. We had a big crowd of people from the church, and we all went, man. We was all excited to see it, you know, and it was late that night. They had them late show, and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning before we got to go in and see it, and and you could tell the people that was going in to see it because they're all excited, and they're just talking, chattering in, in this line, and then the, the doors open, and the people coming out, and they're all, I mean, serious, solemn, crying. I mean, I, I, I'm not exaggerating this a bit. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the in the movie theater, and I'm watching this stuff, and I'm, I mean, you're hearing sniffling and weeping and everything all around you, and I'm not, I'm just not getting that, and I'm, and then I started feeling guilty. I'm thinking, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm not, 
And I'm, I'm, and I'm being as honest as I can be with you. And that bothered me. And I'm thinking, Lord, why am I not more emotional about this? And it was like he just said, son, you've always believed this. You've always known it was like this. Many people that went into that movie theater, the thought never crossed their mind that it was like it was. So it was almost a shock factor to them. Does this make sense? And so when you grow up with that all the time, there's not this drastic changeover that makes you. So sometimes it's possible. And I'm saying, and it may not be for everybody, but to me it's easier for somebody that grows up in church to doubt maybe than it is somebody totally not having any church experience. So we, we, we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit. We have the words of the Scripture. We have the work of the Savior. We have the witness of the Spirit. Now, here's one that you need to think about. Lastly, we have the works, or the walk, excuse me, the walk of the saint. Now, now let me clarify this so, so nobody gets this mixed up. Let me clarify what I'm saying. The walk of the saint. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a he is a new creature. Now, when I say uh, the basis of my assurance is on the walk of the saint, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're saved because of your walk. You with me? The way you walk determines your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this, your salvation determines the way you walk. In other words, if you are saved, you're different. If you are saved, if you come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, your life will change. It may not be as drastic as some others. My life did not change like my father's life changed. His life changed drastically. His life was so radically different than what he was because he was going 100,000 miles an hour for the devil, living like the devil, acting like the devil. Then all of a sudden, he comes into the presence of Jesus, and Jesus saves him and forgives him and changes his life. And he is going diabolically opposed to what he was. Here he goes completely different than the way he was. Boom, it's totally different change. But some people's lives are not that way. Some people's lives didn't change drastically. Mine didn't change drastically. Are y'all with me? But there has to be a change. If there is not a change. Listen, if you can keep... Let me say this too. There's, there's, there's people who believe that you can lose your salvation. And this is, this is what they'll say. I've heard this a bi- uh, just a, a billion times. You Baptists, you Baptists believe you can just... You, you can get saved and then just live any way you want to live. And that's, that's not true. That's not true. You say, what do you believe? I believe this. When you get saved, you belong to God then. He's your father, you're the child. And if you belong to God, according to the word, it says this. If any be without chastisement. What, let me just quote it. For whom he loveth, he chasteneth. And if you are without chastening, you are a bastard and not a son. What that word means is illegitimate. If you can live a life of of sin, if you can live a life of disobedience, if you can live a life contrary to God's word, 
and God not beat the devil out of you, you're not saved. Discipline and the correction of God is a great evidence of salvation. Because whom he loveth, he... I've seen all kind of people. I've seen people walk the aisle, come to the altar, cry like a baby, cry crocodile tears, and, 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 and it be worldly sorrow. And there's a difference. That'll be another lesson we can, we can study. The difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. World, let me explain it. Man, I don't... I don't have time. Worldly sorrow is, is me getting a ticket. Godly sorrow is Tammy getting a ticket. I speed periodically. And so if I get a ticket, I earned it. If she got a ticket and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean she meant it. If I said, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry that I sped. I'm sorry you saw me. Does that make sense? There's a big difference in that. And, and I've seen people come because someone walked out on them. Maybe they got in trouble, and here they are, and they're weeping, and they're sorry that they're in the predicament, and they pray a prayer, and then they, you never see them again. And, and they go back to living just the way they lived. Nothing ever changed. Nothing was ever different. I have a hard time. I'm not going to judge anybody, but I'm just telling you this right now. Under the authority of God's word, I have a hard time believing that person's saved. Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. Now, here's the key, too. All things are become. Say that with me. All things are in other words, you're not going to be perfect overnight, but God's going to start working on you. You ain't going to have everything figured out, and you're not going to have everything exactly the way it needs to be, but the closer you get, God will keep working on you. Somebody say amen. All right, now, let's look at some reasons for doubt. Why, why do we doubt? <clears throat> why do we doubt? And why, why is doubt so dangerous? You need to understand that Satan, one of his greatest tools is doubt. We can go all the way back. We can go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And God told Adam something. Adam's responsibility is to communicate that to his wife, Eve. All right. God told him, you can eat of any of the fruit. Have at it, man. Just have big time. Everything's here for you. It's for your blessing, for your survival. Not only for your survival, but it's for your pleasure. God gave them trees that was good for food and trees that was pleasant to the eye. That tells us right there that God wants you to enjoy your life. God doesn't want you to walk around in the mully grub. God don't want, you know, the more miserable you look, the more holy you are. That's crazy. God wants you to enjoy your life. He, he said, but, but, don't, this one right here, don't mess with. Don't mess with the fruit on here. That's forbidden. Leave it alone. Listen, it's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't mess with that one. Well, here comes the devil. Here comes the devil, and this is what he says. Yea, hath God said. Yea, are you sure? What what God say about this? Well, then Eve responds. Eve responds, and then she don't even respond the way she should have responded. Because she responded and added to it. Yep, God said we can't eat of that, and not only that, we can't even touch it. <laughs> 
Isn't it amazing that humans have the uncanny ability to get legalistic in a hurry? We always like adding to God's rules, like his aren't good enough. And then the devil comes. The devil says this, nah, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. It, that's not it. He, he just knows that, you know, if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like he is. What's he doing? He's causing doubt. He's trying to create doubt. Because this is the, this is the process. I, I had this written down on my desk. I forgot it on my desk, but let me see if I can remember it. First comes doubt. Doubt. Then comes disobedience. <clears throat> then comes despising. When I'm talking about God's word. We doubt God's word. We disobey God's word. This is all in Hebrews, by the way. The whole book of Hebrews, this is all the way through the book of Hebrews. We doubt God's word. First, we're dull to God's word because we're drifting from God's word. We drift and we drift and we drift. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all know that, that you, when a person backslides, they don't just, boom, we just quit everything. We drift. We quit reading our Bible here or there. We quit, you know, Wednesday night Bible study. We, we, do, we don't always attend. We miss it, drifting from the Word. Then we begin to doubt the Word. And then we disobey the Word. And then we despise the Word. We get, we, how many of y'all know that backslidden people are angry people? We despise the Word. Then we defy the Word. But the devil wants to plant doubt. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Listen, when you doubt, you're unstable. When, when, you're, when you're doubting, you're not effective because you're worrying. Listen, you're up pacing back and forth, and he wants to make you doubt. That's his, one of his greatest tools. So what causes that in a Christian? Now, we're talking about saved people right now, okay? We're talking about saved people in this, this next few, and I only got a couple minutes, but stay with me here. I'm, I'm, I'm referring to saved people, born-again children of God who are saved. Listen, why, why do they doubt sometimes? Why does a saved person doubt sometimes? Write this down. A, causes of doubt in a Christian. Here's the word, the definition of the word doubt. To lack confidence in and inclination not to believe. Worried to death, I'm doubting whether I'm saved. First, A, undeveloped character. Undeveloped character. I mean, let me give them to you so you can write them down, and then I want to read Second Peter chapter 1, and then we'll come back and go through them, okay? Uh, B, unfair comparison. Unfair comparison. C, unbridled carnality. Unbridled carnality. <clears throat> then D, unfruitful Christianity. Now look at the verses on the bottom of your notes there. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Each one of these, we'll take each verse... And show you where this, this, this poses a problem. 2 Peter 1 verse 5. Right there in your notes. Are you all ready to say amen? Alright, it says, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. In other words, 
When you get saved, there's something you need to do. Now notice what I said. I didn't say there's something you need to do to get saved. You're not doing this stuff to get saved. You do this stuff after you are saved. After you've placed your faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary, there's some stuff you need to do. Okay? Does that make sense? Everybody with me? Now what? What do we do? It says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge. Now, here's A, undeveloped character. There are many times that a Christian, when he gets saved, he doesn't develop because he doesn't apply himself and pursue knowledge. Are y'all with me? And, and many times, they won't read their Bible, they won't pray, they won't spend time in fellowship with God's people, and because of that, the devil will swoop in, and he will come and start telling them all kind of things, and because they've not taken measures and taken steps to develop their Christian character and to grow and mature in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, they begin to doubt. They begin to doubt. Are y'all with me? Now look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. The next, the next issue is unfair comparison. It says in verse 6, And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance what? And to temperance what? Patience. Look at unfair comparison. Sometimes people will doubt, a Christian will doubt, is because they compare their Christian walk in life to one who's been saved 50 years. They, I, I, was, I was there in Paducah, and, and, and uh, uh, a guy's growing blueberry bushes. He's, he's going to do one of them you-pick blueberry farms or whatever, and, and here's this five-year-old tree, and here's this little little... One, not even really a one-year-old deal, and it's over here, and I was looking at him. That one's got blueberries on it. That one's skinny. Now, if I, if I begin to compare these by their ability to bear fruit and how much fruit and what kind of fruit and the, and the amount of fruit, that's kind of, come on, that's kind of, so be careful, baby Christian. Be careful with unfair comparison. Because you may not have been saved as long as these other people. You may not experience what they've experienced because you've not been in it long enough. And that might cause you to doubt. Just because you don't believe like somebody else does and you don't have as much confidence as somebody else does, don't let the devil slip in and say, hey, if that makes sense, say amen. We've got to be patient. We've got to be patient. Look at the next one unbridled carnality that's, that's getting out there and, and being stupid are y'all with me and what does it say to add to patience and to patience come on everybody godliness verse 7 and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity what happens I tell you what you go out and you start acting ignorant it'll cause you to doubt because then the devil's going to jump on your shoulder. Boy, if you were saved, you wouldn't be acting like this. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's been some real saved people do some real ignorant things. And as soon as you go jumping on the, on, on the bandwagon and judging people because of something they did and say, well, they're not saved if they did that, be careful. 
David was a man after God's own heart. And he committed adultery and murder. Well, I tell you what, and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't, he, he uh, in Psalm 51, which is his repentance chapter over that issue and that situation, one of his requests was, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So guess what? It was still with him. And I'm not going to get in that argument. I'm just telling you, good people can do some ignorant things. And it'll cause you to doubt. So what do we do about that? Let's stay, let's stay in the presence of God. Let's stay in fellowship in the church. Let's stay and be right and do right. And all God's people say it. Lastly, lastly, five minutes, I'm ahead of schedule. Watch what it says. Verse 8. <clears throat> For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be nor in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What was the last one? Unfruitful Christianity. Sometimes when you're not seeing fruit in your life, the devil will say, mm-mm-mm. So what do we do? Let's add these things. Let's, let's, let's be diligent. Let's be diligent to study. Let's be diligent to read. Let's be diligent to apply ourselves. Let's be diligent, listen, to pray. Let's be diligent to fellowship, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Let's be diligent to walk in the Spirit so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And all God's people say it. Let's be diligent to memorize our verses. Amen? All right, where's uh, Jeff? You got your people? You got, you got your people at, at wherever they are? Because I don't want to cut them loose till y'all are ready. Now listen. Get your card. Now, 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 do me a favor. Don't don't waste these. This stuff costs money. Amen? Take it with you. Take it home. Put it in your pocket. Read it. Put it in your pocket. Read it. Put it. I can't tell you how many times I've studied a chapter in the Bible to preach a message, and I've read it so many times during the week. By the time I preach the message, I memorize it. I'll, I'll catch myself when I'm preaching on Sunday up here. I just start quoting what I read, and I'm, I've memorized it and didn't even try. It's just because I read it so many times. Does that make sense? So, hey, if we're trying, God will help us. God will help us. We'll apply ourselves. God will help us. Listen, understand this. God wants you to be sure, and God wants you to live in assurance. God want, He doesn't want you biting your fingernails, worried to death. If you're going to do something today that's going to cause you to lose your salvation, what a terrible life that would be. I'll be honest with you, if I truly believed I could lose the gift of God in my salvation, I'd be a nervous wreck. Anyway, let me just leave that right there. Two minutes to spare. Don't get used to this. All right? All right, all right, let's pray. Maybe the fire's still roaring. Amen. All right. Lord, thank you, Jesus.